Hi and welcome to the Kingdom of Thirst podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly and I'm here with Mel Go. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, okay, so what do you do? I think I, I know what you do, but what is what do you like to do in this romance world? Okay, so I am a writer. I've been a uh, writer of romance for um, coming up to, I'd say, about seven years now. Um, I started okay. out in fan fiction and then moved into yeah. Meme Romance. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, and I've been writing that not super prol- prolifically like some people do in the genre, but you know, steadily. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I've branched out into, um, reverse harem mm. with a side of crime because really crime novels are my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last couple of books that I've written are very much in the crime thriller genre. Mm-hmm. Neither of them are out yet. One of them I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and to you know, keep myself afloat with the writing, I continue to write memo romance. Mostly now, I think I would be a historical memo romance uh, writer because the um, contemporary uh, field is quite full, and um, mm-hmm. I find my niche. I've, I'm very comfortable in research, uh, so I do a lot of that. Yeah, I so I read the valet. Uh, the other oh. night, and I loved it. It was oh, <laughs> so tender, <laughs> so so tender. I I didn't expect. I don't know. I I I guess I don't expect usually from period romances to be so. I think they tend to get bogged down by being in a period, right? Like they they tend to like kind of. I don't know. Campy is not the right word, but they 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 really play up the the setting. Lots of tropes, yeah, tropes, yeah. and sort of it's it's almost like they use the setting as is it it becomes its own thing, and yeah. then it becomes all about the setting. But I th- I think my my writing um, I I always try to make it obviously because romance in particular it's about the characters, um, and I did mm-hmm. an awful lot of research into um, just times. Um, uh, you know, gone by, uh, and I realized that really they were just people just like us, and they yeah. had, you know, their thoughts and their fears and their hang ups and um, sort of stereotypes that they were afraid of or that they were looking for. So I'm trying very much to sort of make it about the person and then you know you don't you don't it's it's like you're watching a beautiful period drama, and mm-hmm. yes, you see the costumes and everything, but you don't sort of get distracted from the story. That's my approach to to writing historical. And um, because I do love research, I know so much about it and Mm -hmm. I try to know as much about it as I can so that I feel really comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And with a ballad, I mean, that's how I pronounce it here, but it, ballet, ballad, (laughs) both, both, I looked it up and both sort of Mm -hmm. work. I am very familiar with Downton Abbey, so that was, it was a bit of a sort of, you know, do, what do I write before Christmas? Um, yeah. What can I sort of write without having to spend half a year just on, on, on the research? Mm-hmm. And I just, I basically just wrote it like I would watch um, a Downton Abbey episode where all this stuff is there, but mm-hmm. I just sort of write the story first and then, you know, sort of 
hope that the rest um, makes sense to people, basically. Well, you definitely, you're, you're really good at, um, the, the world feels very natural. Like, I think what happens sometimes is that the, the world becomes the character and it becomes like the third person in the room, right? Mm. And, and they want to make that character interesting and they want to yeah. make that character, you know, an integral part of the plot. But and also, you've spent two months reading nothing but descriptions of <laughs> drawing rooms and sitting yeah. rooms and kitchens yeah. and costumes and what cars they drove and what the horses, where mm-hmm. the stables were and all of that. You want to put some of that in because otherwise, why did you do it? And the point is, of course, you did it so that you're comfortable with it, so mm-hmm. that it just becomes it's natural. you live in that world yeah. and you just tell about that world, but it's just there. It's not... The point is not that it's a different time. Yeah. That makes sense. The point, I mean, and particularly in, in romance, right? Like, why do we care? Well, it's the people. It's the relationship. Mm. It's, the, yes. oh, it's the longing and the tenderness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's what makes it so emotionally fulfilling for the reader. It's not, you know, what their boots looks like. <laughs> Um, exactly exactly you know. although you need to know how to take off britches that's very that's, important you know, you know how to get into someone's britches super important in in any time period that's an important thing to know <laughs> yes <laughs> did they have buttons or was it all sort of little bows and did it laces hooks and, and eyelets laces? and uh was there a cod oh, piece yeah. involved uh <laughs> exactly. what do they wear underneath the britches of course yeah. of course um <laughs> Gosh, that just takes me back to reading The Flame and the Flower and just being so horrified by the the clear lack of research into, like, what anybody was wearing. It's just this, like, strange mishmash of, like, Mm. uh, period. Like, you could tell that she wanted to be writing about the Victorian era, but what she was supposed to be writing was about the colonial era. And it was just all, it was was gnarly gets a bit it's it's sometimes sometimes i think the people who have it easiest uh, are fantasy writers because they oh, can just yeah. mix and match whatever just pluck best. it yeah pluck it out yeah sure yeah, sure yeah. she's wearing a corset with nothing underneath what does yeah. it matter nothing matters exactly um, <laughs> okay so before we get too deep into it though i did yeah. i have a question that i always ask anybody who comes on the podcast for the first time and that is how do you feel about romance um, I think I, the question is conflicted, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't grow up reading romance. I didn't really get into it until I was in my 20s. And the way I got into it, and the only way I got into it was really um, through queer romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was mostly through fan fiction. Yes. And it sort of, it got me along on my journey of just, uh, you know, discovering my own um you know identity and sort of shoring up what I knew about myself um and express it in a way that felt quite safe and sort of fun um you know back in the day when there were very few queer characters on on the screen you know shipping was quite quite exciting because it was was quite subversive and um just a lot of fun and and sort of did you know it it felt like doing more than just sitting there and consuming something so yeah. i got into that when i was in my 20s when i was still at university and then i had a long period where i didn't do any writing at all yeah um but i kept reading quite a lot of uh, fan fiction and and not all of it of course is romance there are other genres but i yeah. read mostly sort of slash 
Yeah. Um, so Oof. when I have Ooh, this... that takes you back. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> oh god. It takes me it, it still takes me back to Whenever someone says know. lemon, I'm like, oh <laughs> <laughs> yes. totally. Oh absolutely. Um yeah, and, and then I um I came back to to um sort of, you know, sometimes you have fandoms where you just sort of you have to do something with it, it sort of bursts forth because yeah. you're just so invested in it. Um and that happened to me in sort of 2014, 15. Sometimes I can't remember what year it is now, but yeah, sort of around yeah. that time. <laughs> um, and um, it was uh, uh, The Walking Dead. And oh. I just I just loved the Rick and Daryl pairing. It just sort of suddenly overnight. And the funny thing is I'd watched it since it started, but I didn't really get into it uh, deep, you know, deep into it until then. And I just overnight suddenly decided I have to write. I have to write these things. And I just wrote so prolifically and then suddenly I became interested in the you know and I segue into the May May romance genre because I I wanted more of this stuff I wanted some original stuff I wanted to read it I wanted to write it and then yeah. I came across the genre and it was sort of you know that the rest is literally history it was yeah. like this is this is where I can be creative and write the stuff I want to write um that feels quite safe still because I was still very much not necessarily writing about my own experience, but it was much closer to sort of how I understood romance and how, you know, um, I wanted to just write things that weren't stereotypical because I, I've never liked rom-coms, for example. It just wasn't my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. quite funny because sometimes now I can sort of see the attraction more, but it took me the, you know, going the queer romance way to mm. sort of appreciate the straight romance now as well and I've now written both it's mm -hmm. quite funny I then felt more comfortable writing about different things and um uh so I feel that romance can transform and um it can especially now it it can be very empowering um for women to write it I yeah. mean it's always been empowering for for women to write it I think because it you know it, it allows you to be creative in something that's acceptable and yeah <laughs> you know sort of a uh, a I don't know um male-led uh, world yeah. um but it's also you know it, it doesn't deserve its bad rep but some of the older stuff is not is probably not not something i would ever go and seek out <laughs> yeah yeah i you know i had a conversation um on an episode that was recently released where i mean we talk about power fantasies all the time on on this podcast i think mm. you kind of can't examine romance literature without talking about power fantasies at pretty much mm. at every level even a rom-com yeah. is itself a power fantasy for yes. the average woman in the world they may not even realize it but when you're consuming something that is considered so fantastical as a romance novel mm. often is and even the barest plot of say a normal man meeting a normal woman or whatever right mm. at, at work and them falling in love and having a fulfilling relationship is considered a fantasy that is mm. subversive and that says so much more about our culture than i think a lot of people yeah. realize yeah um but we also talked about how um i <laughs> this this like idea of um the romance genre as a whole you know it's it's moving forward we're moving towards more inclusivity we're moving towards mm. more diversity but instead of moving in a straight line towards the shore we're doing the riptide thing where you have to kind of yeah. swim parallel to the shore to get there yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. it is 
Yeah, that, oh, that's that's actually quite a good uh, image for it, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the stuff in Memo Romance that you see, you're thinking, well, if that was requested or written in that way in mm-hmm. straight romance, we'd all be up in arms about it. But yeah. we're sort of, we're finding our way um, mm-hmm. because a lot of, by no means all, and, and increasingly... Um, men you know gay men bisexual men uh, trans men um and people of all you know non-binary people are writing um queer romance um but a lot of it is still it's written mm-hmm. and consumed by you know sort of heteronormal um um uh you know uh str- um straight w- women who identify as straight let's, yeah let's say and yeah. and sometimes what they are looking for is sort of Something much more, it is totally a fantasy, but some of it is quite traditional, yeah. which ha- surprise, has always surprised me because it's it's like they, they look for these uh, tropes of, you know, the sort of the helpless one and the strong one. So it's yeah. almost like, you know. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's it's interesting, too, because we, we both came from a fan fiction background. I, I grew up, I started reading fan fiction when I was like nine and it was the wow. <laughs> only thing I felt comfortable reading. I it, it kind of opened up the world of reading to me. Before that, mm. I was a very I was really behind on reading. Um I didn't realize that there were things written for my interests. I didn't realize that you know there were people out there writing about two people falling in love. I didn't think mm. that was a thing. Um particularly for my age group, right? I didn't know that the mm. YA section existed for instance. Yeah, yeah. Um but I also encountered very early on, um, like the slash ships and stuff, right? Which, yeah. if you're not in the know, is uh, is typically you know same sex relationships in in fan fiction. Which uh, now we don't really use those terms anymore. I think mostly because like they're we've kind of have a more nuanced look at uh, mm. you know that the whole you know sexuality spectrum, and it's you know not so binary as it used to be yeah um like bisexual men in fan fiction that was like not a thing for for a very long time i i was very much i because i identify as bisexual Mm -hmm. and it was always that was always the thing for me that um i would write my characters um not it's not an agenda but it's it's just there's just so much more than just you know the like you said these two things yeah you can and i think you know, millennials and Gen Z now, they know all of this, but we yeah. didn't, you know, no. I'm a very, very young Gen Xer. So, um, uh, and, and millennials are, are so much further on than I was in my youth and just sort of talking about these things. But yeah. for us, it was still all very confusing and pre-internet a lot of it. And um, so when it's very understandable that you sort of come into this and you think, Oh, thank goodness. There's something out there that sort of feels more like, like me. Yeah. And then you transform it even further. I think that's sort of what, ha- what I've seen happening yeah. over the last 20 years. That yeah. it's out of this, there came this confidence that yes, it's okay to write about um, two men together or two women together. But what about all the other things? You know, it's still not exactly what I'm feeling. So I'm going to write mm. it and I'm going to talk about it. And then sort of, you know, Pop culture caught up with this, and uh, and the rest of the work caught up with us in the yeah. you know, the world as, you know, around us, not not the world as a whole, <laughs> yeah. obviously, but uh, mm-hmm. because of what came before, and and that's for me, that's always been sort of, I, I mean, there's there's lots of bad stuff that went on in fandoms yes. generally, but I so much of you know the the being who you know as as now being over forty, I can sort of say, well, a lot of it is because. 
the people I surrounded myself with, with, and it wasn't just the fanfiction, but it was also just the nerd culture that, yeah. you know, the sort of finding people who did not, um, who, whose idea was not to, you know, I, uh, get married, have children, but who actually enjoyed, even as adults and young adults, you know, watching all these shows yeah. on television and just being involved with this stuff and dressing up and going to these things and being on the computer. Because I was on the computer all the time and I, all, all my friends at university, they didn't understand it because it wasn't a thing uh, yeah. at that point. Mm -hmm. And so I just sort of, I found my people there and... um I can now see that these people have gone out there and created amazing stuff, you know, yeah. original stuff and not just sort of derivatives, which, you know, I'm well, not doing fanfics at all, but, you know, no. it's, it's just grown and blossomed and become this thing. Well, fanfiction is itself, it's a safe, generally, proving ground for developing mm. skills and to pursue interests that are otherwise maybe not as... I mean, it's it's really hard. Like, I can't... I'm trying to, like, imagine being a person who reads a book and then goes, yes, of course, I will then... I will now write a book, right? And not... And doesn't have some sort of middle ground, right? Yeah. We're like, yeah, maybe I'll put a story online. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, like, I, four people liked it. That's amazing, you know? I know, I know. I'm, I'm exactly the same. I was like... I've loved books ever since I was little. I mean, I, I apparently, um, as soon as I could do the alphabet, I could read. So we learned the last letter. And then the next day I was reading things to my dad. And and because I've always been so drawn to it, yeah. um, but I've always been quite scared of it as well to yeah. sort of try it myself. And then I I wrote fan fiction long before I knew that that's what it was. And just for mm -hmm. myself and I never showed anyone. And then, of course, the internet came along, which is great. Um <laughs> But, um, uh, yeah, to, to sort of think, oh, I could write a book. That would have, even when I was in my 30s, I never sort of thought that. I, mm -hmm. I only started thinking about that once I'd done. And, of course, people come to it in different ways. And I think a lot of people come to, to it sort of, you know, writing short stories or reading about other writers. I think that's, that can be quite inspiring as well. Mm -hmm. um, and some people just write, they're nine years old and they write a book. And some people brilliant. have confidence, and <laughs> Mel, and I don't... <laughs> It's not me, but some people do. No. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's totally not me. My confidence grew with, you know, my my likes and my kudos and uh, all of that, mm -hmm. definitely. Oh, man. I It's so funny, too, because, like, I was I was only on fanfiction.net for ages, right? And so you only had, like, the favorite count and, and the review count. Ooh. And now all yeah. these kids are over there getting, like, kudos and being able to, like, organize by likes and stuff. And I'm over here, like, I don't know how any of this works. I know, and now they're on Wattpad and these and script and they get paid for it. And I'm like, what uh, is this? Patreons? I do this? Patreons for fan fiction? Are you kidding me? Right. Oh my God, right. I could be making yeah. bank. Well, I don't know if I would I ever, ever have had the confidence to do that. But like, I think I also would have been too terrified of like Disney coming down hard on me or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I do think you absolutely have a point, this idea of like, um, 
this blossoming of creativity and community that then fosters now this Ooh. change that we're seeing in, in these people are breaking out into the industry of, of romance, yeah. right? And they want to Absolutely. put out original fiction because they have the confidence built over years of putting their stuff out online. Yeah. Um, I know that N.K. Jameson, like she still writes fan fiction, right? Like that's... I still, I, I mean, even George R. R. Martin still, yeah. he wrote quite famously in, in um, someone else's universe. And of course, now they make big bucks w- with it. But mm-hmm. um, I think that's just great. And I mean, N.K. Jameson, she is amazing. Yeah. She is just, oh my God, I, I, I read the first book because I sort of put it off for a long time because I thought, oh God, it's three books and they're quite long. They're hefty. And then the they're hefty one, books. <laughs> the first one was on sale on you know, for 99p and on Amazon, uh, because I, I read almost all of my books now on Kindle. I thought, well, I just get that. And I started and it was like, literally, oh, wow. Got the the other two books straight away and, and just read them. Because mm-hmm. that, that was, you know, you get into that world. And if I was still, you know, sort of doing fandoms like I did, then that was totally be, you know, a book yeah. fandom for me. Absolutely. I'd just be so into that community. Unfortunately, I don't have as much time now but um, no. I was just so and it, it was I, I I always felt with her books um that now that you say that because I, I didn't know that she wrote fan fiction it totally makes sense because it is a world that is built in a way that sort of is inspired by by the world building that we've seen but then has taken it and totally mm-hmm. transformed it into something totally original yeah totally different and totally new and I mean, the first book, it just blew me. I didn't see, you know, no spoilers. I didn't see any of it coming. Yeah. <laughs> which is, I mean, which is, is, I think people underestimate, like when you make your, your living and when you spend all of your time consuming stories, right? Um, or in writing stories, I think mm. people kind of underestimate if, if they don't do that, how kind of we don't get jaded but it's really easy to see what's coming <laughs> like we we know like the beats we know kind of yeah. like we can kind of see usually what's going to happen yeah. and so when a story does actually totally surprise us it's like yeah. oh my god you did it i didn't see that at all <laughs> it is i know it's so rare these days that i pick mm-hmm. something up and i go wow wow I did not you know I was totally I did not look for the beat and I did not look for this has to happen soon and you know are we almost at the end of that particular act um mm-hmm. because I want to know what happens next so yeah I was certainly lost in it I, and um another one that I've recently read is um um uh what's it called um it's a Coley trilogy it's I can't remember the um Emma Carey, the one who wrote The Girl with All the Gifts. He has, oh. he has a new trilogy out. Oh, I and I just love yeah, I just loved that. I, I thought it was great because the voice is original and mm-hmm. it's it's very different. So I, I love that sort of thing. As a writer, you know, if you can take me out of that oh. mindset of me reading for because that's my job now, mm-hmm. kind of um to I'm just a reader enjoying your story that's just you if know. you can turn off my internal editor like <laughs> yeah. you've done it you've done it exactly uh I, I I struggle with that because I it's not like malicious but I, I you know I read thereabouts like a book a day essentially Ooh, wow. and it, yeah uh and I uh, a lot of times self-published authors particularly these indie authors they they get an editor 
but I I don't think there's a weird trend of using like passive voice mm. in in self published work, and so I will be sitting there, you know, late at night, you know, reading on my phone, just burning my eyeballs, and I'll just yeah. mentally be censoring every had from like every yeah. other word, um, and that's not the most enjoyable way to read. No. Um, when yeah. a when a writer can really wrap me up in their arms and and kiss me on the forehead and say yeah. I got this, like yeah. that is yeah. that's the best. It's, it is this. It's isn't it? This trusting that I can uh, crack this book open now and I will not think that it's a book mm-hmm. because that's how I used to approach it, that it's not, it's a story. It's not a, a book that I have to read. It's a story that I sort of jump into. Yeah. And I mean, with my writing, I always try to, you know, remember that and that I um, take my readers on this journey that I am hoping, yeah. you know, that I'm so familiar with as a reader. Um and it's really hard work, I have to say. And it's, it's very you know, hard. It's it's so difficult. Yeah. And I, you know, I will say thing. now, like talking to you about, you know, how you approach it and, and what you enjoy, I definitely see that. I definitely see, you know, in your work in, in the, I keep saying tender, but I think what I mean specifically beyond the like relationship is you get so personal with your characters that. It their journey feels very natural. Nothing about it feels like yes, I'm in I'm in a romance novel, and these things need to happen. And you know, of course, they're gonna get together. Yeah, I didn't. I I wasn't in my head, especially when I was reading the valet. Right, I I I wasn't going like okay, but like okay, when are they gonna meet? When's the first kiss going to be? And like, when are they, you know, like what's going to oh, happen? Good. When is Jimmy going to get his licks? Although I did also think that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, 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 I read it and I was like, yes, I, I am in the, the life of this person and I, I'm following this person. This person has very real problems and very real emotions. And it was, it was, it felt really good to just be like, okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit here for a little while and bask in yeah. someone else's problems. Oh, yes. oh <laughs> um, thank you. I think part of, um, part of that might have to do with the fact that I did not grow up on romance novels, mm. but I grew up on reading very widely. I read a lot of fantasy, sci-fi, hard and sort of not so hard. Um, I read a lot of literary fiction, not mm-hmm. sort of the really cerebral stuff but that um probably had a a lot to do with I love crime I read lots of mysteries lots of crime thrillers um I love a good sort of procedural um and I think um my my aim was always I want I want to write about the love story but I think especially with queer romance um you have to anchor it in a world that has very specific rules Mm -hmm. about you know that his, historically these people are working against the grain and you have mm-hmm. to show that somehow and you don't sort of, sort of want to thump your, your readers on the nose with it but you want to sort of address these things and so you have to delve quite deeply into those worlds and sort of the conflicts that go on that are not just um, between the couple but also just with the external world um, you know the, all the prejudice and the homophobia and the just what was it like in those days, just living in those days, just surviving in those days. And I'm, I'm currently writing my first, um, just because I, I, I always like to, I, I'm not very good at writing tropes and I'm not very good at sticking with genres. So <laughs> I just write what I love. Yeah. Um, and I'm currently writing a book that is for the first time, it's, it's not at all rom- romancy. Um, it doesn't have a romance subplot even. Um, 
I, I mean, it does, but it's sort of, it's very much on the side and it's quite sort of heteronormative when you look at it, but it's about women. It's very much a sort of focusing on the, you know, the same things that I've learned and that I've built up to really. Um, and I'm writing a lot about sort of just, you know, current things like what are women going through in the, this day and age where we have all these opportunities, but where toxic masculinity is still very much a thing that mm -hmm. happens all the time and how do we come against it and how do we you know how do, how can women support each other and help each other through it um and at the same time being a crime novel so I have to yeah. put all of that in as well um but I think I can I could come to it because I've sort of I'm not the, and I do love a romance, don't get me wrong, I do love a romance that's very much just, you know, two people have fallen in love and, you know, we, we follow them through how they get together and how yeah. they have their happily ever after. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's always, there's always this other bit that I want to explore. Mm -hmm. um, and I I don't think, I, again, this is a learning process that, you know, I was inspired to write and encouraged to write through the fan fiction and now I've been learning the ropes with the things I've been writing and building myself up to these much more involved um, stories because I've always done the research and I now have the confidence to sort of go, okay, well, I know how to do the research and I know how to do the, you know, how to structure the story. Yeah. So I will take all of that and I will not forget that, you know, we have love in our lives, but we also have all these other things. And um, the other things for me in stories are super important that we have mystery and excitement and a bit of danger yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's it's a matter of building up your toolbox, right? Like we yeah. start out with with like a hammer, right? A hammer yeah. and some nails. <laughs> and and that is the words we know how to make and then maybe what we like to consume. So if you know how to make words and mm. you like to consume fan fiction, you start there, right? Yeah. And and then slowly over time you add a saw, you add some glue, right? And until you have like a full kit. And then I once love you have your that, visuals. <laughs> I cannot just say your visuals are amazing. You just I just you totally yeah, that totally that's exactly it. That's it. That's you know? <laughs> and once you have a kit you can build a house. You could you could yeah. build a swimming pool. You could do whatever you want. You have the skills. The skills don't go away just because mm. you decide to do something different. Yeah. Um and and that's a superpower, right? That's amazing. And I think if you are not a creative, which most of the people who listen to this podcast are some form of creative. Um we have mm. fantastic listeners, all very talented, cool people. Um I think it it's hard. It's hard to see transition it, it can be hard to accept when someone you love decides to do something mm. different with authors i think there's a sort of readers tend to have a feeling of ownership over what they're doing yes. because they care um and that is its own thing but i think there you know there there is never any sense in limiting yourself to just one thing um and yeah. and i i think that once you've built that trust and i and i you know I would trust you to write a just oh. absolute bang up <laughs> thriller because you know I've I've read your books at this point like I I know you could take me there regardless whether it has romance in it or not, um, but I I think that it's it's really it's it's really good to see authors who are not afraid to branch out even when. Mm you know, what they're expected of is, is you know, yeah. one particular thing. I think thing. it's 
it's it's coming back to this it's slightly transgressive and mm -hmm. you know transformative because mm -hmm. I know I mean you know my my self-publishing is very much still on the side and I have a day job and um that I need to uh to you know pay the bills and all of mm -hmm. that um so I've not really sort of had to double down and just write the things that sell really well so I've been in in a way it, it feels quite lucky um that I haven't had to do that because um, I think I'm still very much finding my my voice. Yeah. My I've built built my skill. I've had fun learning these things. I'm I'm always thrilled when people love my book. So I'm I'm thrilled that you know you said all these nice things. Um, and I'm very very happy for these readers to come along with me. And the thing is, I won't stop re writing um, things. I think that my readers that I have at the moment that they really love. I would continue doing that, but I am mm -hmm. fairly prolific. Um, and I can now write, um, these, especially the shorter books, like the, the ballot was very short. It was, it was a quite a late idea for a Christmas book, basically. <laughs> that wasn't just a Christmas book. Um, so I no. thought, well, I can only do a novella. I, I, I am better at sort of, you know, making these small snap decisions about small books and then sort of working on one book, big project in the background and doing working around that. And that will always stay. So I hope yeah. that I will build my readership and, and the more, especially now that I know my, my romance writing will be mostly historical. Um, uh, but also I, I can write these other things. Um, and you know just still find and possibly even have more than one pen name I mean that this is the book yeah. I'm writing at the moment it's very much one that I want to again try and pitch which you know is, is a bit of a different game <laughs> yeah no it is <laughs> and um uh, and it's very much pitch it's, it's pitch material so I'm very you know I'm not as romantic about things as I was when I started out, it's much more. It's totally a book I a book I want to write, but it's it's also very much. I to I toned down the queer because I needed to, um, yeah, sort of try and make this a bit more approachable for accessible for for people who might not put pick, pick up a book that has yeah. a queer protagonist. But I I still I mean you know some of my supporting cast will always be because always, I can't yeah. not. Um, but I mean, it's the, it's the world, right? It's the world we live in. It's, it's exactly, it's, exactly. Yeah. It's a world, and I'm trying. I'm trying to be as true as I can to this world, and also to my own um, sort of experience and the things that are important to me. But it's also, it's very much, you know, it's a business decision to write a book in this particular way. Yeah. Whereas the other business decision is to, you know, learn to write faster so I can do more of the, you know, the sort of um, slightly shorter romance historical you know that that's one part and then the other part will and then eventually one day I'd be rich and I can just do whatever and write whatever I like <laughs> and, and I'll be pitching your book in the bookstore oh, absolutely um you know it's I I think that that is it's it's so hard this like industry that we're in right now right particularly this really shifting amorphous sort mm. of like we it feels like last year people were still thoroughly dunking on mm. self-published authors, right? Like, it was a joke. You're, you're not a real author, you're a self-published author. Yeah. And it wasn't last year. It was more like, you know, five years ago, yeah. more or less. It's, but, but it's sort of, it feels like that because it's sort of, you, you don't see it when it's happening and suddenly no. you get there and you think, hang on a minute. Well, people you know, are this doing is, this. This is yeah. a thing. <laughs> 
Exactly. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it's still, of course, you know, lots of books are thrown onto Amazon every day and sort of mm-hmm. vanish with, without even a, making a into sound. The, into the abyss they go. But yes. on the other hand, there are all these people making absolute buck on it. Just, and it's just... Just and the that books are sweet, sweet cache. <laughs> like, so much cache on this. <laughs> I, like, I... Okay, my one of the podcast favorite and reoccurring star, Ruby Dixon. I don't know if you've heard. Um, she must have... I mean, well over a hundred books at this point. She puts out a full-length novel, I think, every two months, more or less. Like right. she has like like five on the burner at all times and just keeps churning them out. Um, she has this huge sci-fi world and like all these different series and stuff that all Ooh. kind of interconnect. And like the amount of money this woman must be breaking in yeah. is absurd. On the other hand, though. The wider cultural impact still remains in the hands of traditionally published authors Mm. and traditionally published, I mean, traditional publishing houses. I think I, I, to this day, I still have not gotten a request for a self-published book at the bookstore window. Um, Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because I know these people are out there and I see them making a good living and and you know it's it's the same like in the traditionally published worlds there there are some star authors who make a lot of money but there's also quite a sizable mid list I mean I'm you yeah. know when you start talking a lot of my author friends are very much you know they're quite com- either it's a comfortable sort of side uh, line income or it's it's what they do mm-hmm. and they pay their bills oftentimes sort of you know people who are fortunate to either have paid off a house already and so they live fairly cheaply there or they have a partner mm-hmm. who makes quite a bit more and they're building it up so you've got a lot of those people and of course you've got you know you've got a lot of people are trying it and and you know good for them and i want everyone to be able to do this but these two worlds don't meet and also these two worlds seem to very few readers seem to be moving in both worlds there are readers who are exclusively self reading self-published authors and i mean i'm not i read both because i also think it's my you know that's my job in a way it's my job to just see the sort of but when when you go to things like the london book fair um I have one reader friend, uh, I'm sorry, one writer friend, uh, she's called Nicola May, and she had the number one bestseller on Amazon for like, I don't know, 12 months straight, it's um, called something called Berry Bay, and her book did so phenomenally well uh, that she made a splash in the sort of, in, in the industry. Mm-hmm. But that never happens. And of course, there was a lot of hustling. She had to talk to a lot, an awful lot of people, which a lot of writers, I'm, you know, I get sweaty. Oh, God, <laughs> so I have to talk to Absolutely. me personally. You know, I said, of this, this is fine. I've, I'm comfortable here. But, you know, in the outside world, talking to anyone about my, oh. Oh, yes, hello. So. Can I offer you this thing I put my whole heart into? Please, please like it. Please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me just oh, back away so slowly much. while maintaining eye contact. Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, but she, it's like the, the way that she, sometimes the bookseller, the, the magazine here in the UK, they write about her, but um, she's the only one of any self-published author. Yeah. Um, there are a couple that I'm not so familiar with in um, um, uh, in the sort of crime and thriller world as well, who sort of have done so unbelievably well. Yeah. Um, 
And then, of course, people talk about Mark Dawson because he's, you know, he's also an entrepreneur. Um, but it doesn't. And, and these people, it's like they don't exist to the industry. And it's, no. I think it's foolish of them to, to say, well, you know, to, to sort of ignore all of this going on. Um, because they must know that it's going on. Well, the thing is, I was I had an interview with a friend of the pod, Amalia Dillon, a while back, and we talked about this. And we talked about how the um, so much of the labor that we the, the one of the reasons we look for being self published, I mean, being traditionally published, is because we it's really nice, or at least we assume it's really nice, to have a team to do things for you. Yeah. Marketing, formatting, cover art, publishing. Yeah. Like they, they, it's You do the words, and maybe you do some edits, maybe you do some signings, maybe you do some interviews, but Ooh. for the most part, you are just the writer, and they handle everything else. Yeah. Well, now, because of the way the industry has overinflated itself... Um, Authors are getting less and less and less from the traditionally yeah. published relationship. They are being forced to like um, do all of their social media, all of their mm. they're they're scheduling their own interviews, their and all some the stuff. Of them, to be absolutely honest, some of the best selling authors are not very good at the social media. No, <laughs> no they're, they're like, not. They haven't updated since twenty nineteen, and they all they did was pitch their book. And yeah. you know, we as self published and maybe hybrid published authors. Mm -hmm. Go like, how did this make money? You didn't talk about anything. Yeah, and it's and it's one of those things too, where it's like, okay, so if the if the industry is not doing even that Ooh. for me anymore, yeah, why should What's I? Why point? should I do it? Yeah. Why should I put myself through the the ring of self flagellation that is querying and getting Ooh. an agent and then going on yeah. sub and all this stuff? On the other hand, it's it's becoming more and more clear that. I think as they don't want to put in the work, these mm. big publishers, which are like, what, like four companies now? Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's bad. They are going it's, to... When I started out, there were six, and now there are four. And, there's you know, fewer that's... and fewer every year. Yes. None of them know what they're doing. Um, but they, they are going to swoop in and pick up the self-published authors that already have a huge community mm. and already have this infrastructure yeah. that, that they don't have to build. And if that's the case, and if you are still just yeah. not going to be, if, if you're going to be looked down upon still over time by these people who still look at you as, as lesser than yeah. like, then, then th there's no point to it. Um, I, I yeah. still think like, Right now, we're in this medium space where, like, it is worth it to try. Mm. But but things are changing so rapidly. Um, yeah. And I, I we can't all be Andy Weirs, right? Who, even though... No. <laughs> even though this man, this absolute wildman, put his, his stuff out there for free and people demanded to pay for it. And then he put it out there for 99 cents. And then it went up to the top of the Amazon charts. And then his friend who works in publishing was like, hey, I can get you an agent. Like, and then he got a book deal. And then he knows Matt Damon. You know, I, I don't... Like, we can't all be Andy Weir's. That no. never happens. But even that was because of nepotism. So... Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the thing with nepotism is quite important. And mm -hmm. I do not generally speaking i do not want to dunk on any authors because you know if you can get that it's amazing and you know good for you take um, it but when you the thing is that when before i knew anything about this industry it was like i thought you write a nice book and you give this nice book to yeah. a nice agent who <laughs> loves the book and then they take it somewhere 
and they will publish it. And then, yeah, like you said, you do a few signings and you do a few things. But the thing is, not only do you have to do all the work, to even get to the agent point, it helps enormously to know people. Yeah. And the, the the amount of time I see books, and some of them I love to death, some of the books I've read recently um, that are sort of, you know, traditionally published, um, there's one called The Flat, Flat Chair, um, and she's now written The Switch, and I've, of course, forgotten her name again. I'm so sorry. Um, she was, she worked in publishing. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, of course, how she knew. It's not, the, the books are amazing, and she wouldn't have gotten the deal if she wasn't a good good writer. But of course, she knew some things that we don't know. And she knew some people that we can't and, Well, yeah. the, the problem is that everyone thinks they're a writer, right? And and it's what sucks about the industry, uh, amongst them, <laughs> the constellation of things that just totally just tank about the industry, right? One of the things that sucks is that as I was going through querying for the first time, I was like, there has to be a better way to do this, right? There, mm. there, this is an archaic system of you write a book and then you write a letter to these random people and mm. hope that it appeals to them enough that they will work for you. You're begging these yeah. people to work for you. And that's even before publishers get a look at it, right? I was like, there has to be a better system. I I don't know what the better system is because it, it does actually prune the the crop a little bit like it, it does. so many people I think, think they that have, they can write yeah. <laughs> i think i think there is um i i do still think and not just because i want an age but also yeah. i i do genuinely believe there is still a place for people who not keep out anyone but just sort of um pick things that are worth doing and you know what they're encouraging doing. those things and nurturing those things yeah. yeah and sort of helping you build those relationships um mm-hmm. and of course they have to be selective so i um you know I, I generally i've had very i had a lot of conversations with agents um mm-hmm. and they've all been very supportive and sort of oh, yeah. uh, very professional um and I, you know, the, the the self-published authors who go, oh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do any of that. Um, if the, the truth is, most of us would still kiss the agent and the publisher's feet if they would <laughs> yes. want our book, yes. because chances are we will still do better with that. At yes. least, you know, for some of us who are maybe not necessarily writing, I I'm not a tropey writer, so mm-hmm. my books don't. I, and I don't turn them out fast enough because I just can't. I'm already picking up. I, I I do write much faster than I used to. So I write them quite steadily, but it's they're always slightly left of center and they're not exactly what, you know, I'm not sort yeah. of hitting my niches quite that well um, and I'm working on it. But it just seems so much easier if you've got someone, because the books on the shelves, you will find books on bookshelves and I'm sure you know this that are as self-published books would maybe not have found a readership because the readers were very much focused on I know how this book will work and I will Mm -hmm. love it because I know how it will work like it's a you know reverse harem for example you've got very specific you've got like the bully romance the bully um reverse harem it was a huge thing but they wanted books that were exactly a specific way and when I go into a bookshop or I pick up a book from an author I don't know, I don't mm-hmm. want what I already have. Be, and there are readers out there like, 
like me who want to read across genres, who won't want to read just in one genre. And I think for, for some of those, especially maybe the oldest, maybe I'm just also too old for this, um, <laughs> who will, you know, who will want to go and have a little bit of guidance on what they should pick up yeah. and have, have some confidence in the bookseller, in the person who put the book out, the person who bought the book, who, who believed in the book. Um, that they sort of pr- produced a uh, quality uh, thing that is not just, you know, the book. Maybe it's the only book that year they read mm-hmm. and they want it to be different and special. And I think that with self-publishing, that's much harder to get because yeah. you have to focus so much on writing to market and writing a very specific niche and not just... In, in like a category, you write in a, a um, you know, you write a trope and then you write, you drill down and it's very specific. And, and these books are, I love, I love a lot of tropes, but I, I'm just not a writer who can write them very easily. Yeah. So, um, you know, I sort of see, I probably see both sides and that's why I'm still, maybe I'm also just deluded that I will one day find an agent who loves me and <laughs> well, sell all my books. You know, it's, it's, it's really hard because also you never know what's going to hit, right? You never Ooh. know what is going it, to... It's one of those, like, you may not think that your book has a niche until it gets into somebody's hands and boom, it's the, it's, it's, yeah. it's the you, exact right you have flavor. To create, and you have <laughs> yeah. to create a new niche. And, and that happens all the time that people yeah. literally, I mean, the bully harem thing didn't come about, how, you know, somebody must have thought, this is amazing. And then they must have told somebody about it and said, this is amazing. And then suddenly lots of people thought it was amazing. That's, of course, how this also happens. But you can make that happen. So you have to sort of... You just have to I write. Think, you just gotta, yeah, just write like, what you love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I and it's it sucks that that's the answer, right? Mm. Like, but they're really you as writers, we only have so much under our control, and that yes. is actually only just what we write. Um, yeah, and and that's it, right? Uh, all you can do is 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 create something mm. to the best of your ability, wholeheartedly. I I don't yeah. think it's you shouldn't fall in love obsessively with everything you do, but you should care. Mm. Um. And, 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 and that's, that's it, right? If, if it doesn't work, I think you should know when to put it aside and do something new. Like I, um, I, I worked on the same book for like five years. Mm. I rewrote it something like actually like 10 times. I'm going to be kind and say like seven, but really it's like 10. Um, and Oh, and, when we were young and innocent and thought that that's yeah. how you write. But I was, yeah, you know, you're I like, this is totally one good idea. There. I need to, I, I, I got it. It's only going to happen once. I need to just keep doing it until somebody wants it. Right. Um, <laughs> it's not that's actually not how that works it turns out but here we are um but i i you know i i say i went to the i went to college of writing bad books um you know like writing that book 10 times taught me how to write a a good book twice um yeah you know I, uh, i think i think there's something to the first book and everyone's journey is slightly different but i think all of us when we write the first one the first one that sort of matters it it nothing will ever take that long again as no. the first book no <laughs> and, for better um, or worse yeah no, we won't love anything as much as we will love that first book either <clears throat> i think because we will we will recognize and and learn certainly for me that's true 
I will have a, I, an idea and some characters that I really, I think they are going to work really well on the page. Mm-hmm. And I will care for them deeply and I will think, you know, they're a, bit, they're a bit crazy maybe and I will love them for it. But the first one and the first time you sort of have this, um, you think this is the only good idea I'll ever have and you mm-hmm. sort of get a bit more practical about these things, a bit more businesslike about these things that you think, well... Yes, I've got these great ideas, but in order to make them, you know, I can spend five years and write, you know, rewrite this book ten times mm-hmm. again. And, you know, I don't think we, I could, I don't think I could write like that anymore no. now, taking so much time over something. Um, but I think, you know, that had a place in the process, certainly for me, to learn how you know how what kind of a writer I am because that's for me that's a huge thing what kind of a writer are you that you what's your working process how do you relate to your characters where do they come from where do they go when are Mm -hmm. they finished and because sometimes you know if you don't know these things and you can't know them the first time you do it the first one is for learning and it doesn't mean that you can't write a good book the first time around and you can totally sell it I don't believe in this you know I don't yeah. yeah And not everyone has to have three to ten manuscripts in a drawer somewhere. There's this, no. this is a myth, um, no. I think. It's, certainly, I don't know anyone who's got that. I, I mean, sometimes you hear about these people, but um, I still, I put the first, you know, they, they're learning curve, but I'm proud of them and I love them. So there you go. This is my offering. Yeah. And you can follow me through my career and see how I, you know, come from this point to writing my, you know, the great American Your novel. Your magnum the opus. Great, yes. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I, I think that is a, a fantastic way to, to wrap this up. Um, I, I can't wait to see what you do next. I can't wait to sell your, your thrillers. Um, I, I would love to see you write like a cozy queer thriller or something like that, right? Yeah. Like something I, I can I just cozy totally and disrupt. Tr- a thriller is probably not that doesn't I, go to I believe answer. in you. I believe in you. Okay. Challenge accepted. Challenge. Yes. <laughs> totally a challenge I can accept. Um, like a just I want you to put like two absolutely opposing like a a cozy political thriller. <laughs> that sounds great. After the, you know what? Well, after the four years we had, I, yeah. anything's possible. Anything's I mean, couldn't possible. you just say like uh, it's a it's a <laughs> God? What would it be? A a small town council feud. Uh, blossoms yes. into a beautiful queer romance as they try and figure out who's going to fix the potholes. That sounds that that sounds like something I'm sure. And I can also write in lockdown. That makes it slightly, yes. you know, up, upping the stakes a little bit and making everything really hard. And there's pandemic going on. We need to save the world, um, but we need to do it all from our living rooms in this little town where we still have to haven't fixed the potholes. Sounds great. <laughs> We can write that one together. (laughs) Beautiful. I'm here for it. Well, this has been absolutely fabulous. Um, It's been so much fun. It was fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for being on. It was just wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. And sorry if I talked over you half of the time. No, no. That's why I love doing interviews because you're supposed to talk. Usually it's me. Normally... I get to just sit back and relax and just have a great time. This is fantastic for me. This is a break. Um, Okay, so this is the plug zone. We're here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Please tell me where I can find your work. Tell me where I can can read, what you're up to, what you're going to be doing in the future, what we should look out for, whatever you'd like. 
Okay, so um, I mostly, my self-published uh, books are all on uh, Amazon um, mm -hmm. because I have them in Kindle Unlimited. Mm -hmm. I have one book called A Leap of Faith, which is with a small and very lovely um, publisher here in the UK mm. uh, called Red Dot Press. They are amazing um, and they love my work, so I love them. Mm -hmm. um, so you can get that on Amazon as well. Um, I'm on social media, on uh, Twitter, where I mostly just follow conspiracy theories, debunkers, um, because that's sort of kind of related Heck to yeah. the book that I'm writing next. Um, I'm on. Oh, I've uh, got a book recommendation for you then. <clears throat> oh, excellent. <laughs> yes, I just, um, I just grabbed a galley the other day that I think you'd be interested in. Oh, please. Yes, please do recommend. Um, yes. My Twitter handle is melgo underscore writer. Um, and on Facebook, I'm Mel Go Author. Mm. All on what? Um, you'll find me on there. I've also got a website, of course, melgo.com. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a podcast yet, but never say never. Never say uh, never. It's way easier than it looks. <laughs> guess, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to listen to them. So I should uh, maybe, you know, investigate another yeah. idea for a Patreon. <laughs> yes oh god yeah and the thing with the patreon is you got to actually have listeners to because like because right if if a hundred people listen to your podcast probably only you'd be lucky if 10 of those people are willing to spend money on it really and there's so much out there i, I honestly so i mean i start i've got a patreon page i've never used it because i i barely get by you know just doing the stuff I have to do um yeah. let alone writing extra stuff I would love to but I'm also very bad at selling myself so you know going follow me on Patreon pay for my extra stuff when you could be listening to a million other things for free um yeah probably not me <laughs> not at this point <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's it's tough. It's really hard. Like I I as a bookseller, I'm like really good at selling other people's work. Mm. And then the moment I have to pitch myself, I'm like, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's you know, it is. I am. I think I'm funny. Is that okay? Uh, oh, oh well, yeah. you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, okay. So all of those links, links to your website, links to your Twitter, everything will be in the description below. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, there is always a description. Click on it. Um, okay, for my things, if you've been here before, you know what's up. You know what's happening. Uh, it's Twitter, Kingdom Thirst, Instagram, Kingdom Thirst. I am doing a new thing now, which is not revolutionary, but I realized I was just not using my Instagram at all. So I am now putting uh, tiny book reviews on my Instagram, just Ooh. general recommendations, not just romance, um, because eh, why not? Um, well, like I need one more thing to do. It's fine. Um <laughs> I I also um, am still giving out stickers if anyone would like free stickers. Mel, if you would like free stickers, I I'm would happy love to some send free them. stickers. Yes, we have a, a spanking corner sticker, a sexy disease sticker, and a Kingdom of Thirst logo sticker. They are oh fabulous. well, I'll have all three and I'll stick them all over when I go to my next book signing when I'm really <laughs> famous and I will just plug you, put you next to my <laughs> my book pile. There, there are your stickers. That's oh yes. We'll oh, as long as I'm not there to see it, that that would be delightful. Uh, my my delightful manager at the at the bookstore um, the other day, somebody bought a romance novel, and I have a pile of Kingdom of Thirst stickers kind of by the register. And she thought it was really, she thought it was acceptable behavior to turn to this person and be like, hey, if you like romance novels, you should listen to this podcast. She does it, and I wanted to kind of just 
wrap myself in a full body <laughs> ace bandage and 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 oh, suffocate. Dear. Um, but you know, say lovey. That is the way it is. Um, uh, hi Kyle, uh, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, okay. You know well, where to find they're me. Selling you, they're selling you. Um, you selling their books. I think that's that's fair. But the thing is, though, okay, Mel. The thing is, though, <laughs> that I'm gonna probably, we both, this person and I are gonna have to face each other again. <laughs> and I've in the either what's gonna happen is they have listened to my podcast or they haven't. Either way, I don't awkward. want to know. But that stands between us now. That's now very they, true. Like, I'm, I <laughs> can never ask. The pressure is on. Yeah. You've, you've, you've now got this uh, relationship where basically both of you know, and it's going to be awkward, whatever. Now, we can't mention it either way. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it's horrible. My manager did me so dirty. But uh, if you would like stickers, kingdomofthirst at gmail.com or through our contact page, um, kingdomofthirst.com slash contact. Uh, if you would like to have anything read on the on the podcast, you can use that form as well. Um, our bookshop.org page is great. We got a lot of great books on there. Um, help support indie bookstores, help support your indie podcast, uh, and, and indie authors as well. Um, all of the links are below in the description. You know where, you, you know what time it is. You know what is it. Um, I think that's it. I'm not going to... I've been thinking about new segments for the podcast, Mel, but I'm not going to unleash that on you um, because oh, they're, they're, they're bad. <laughs> they're bad. And, I, and I'm not ready to introduce them yet. But... Um, I will listen to them next time and I will look, be looking out for them uh, for sure. <laughs> well, since this is coming out uh, in a couple of weeks, um, the next couple episodes you may be interested in, actually, I, they're, they're the Bookseller Roundup. They're Bodacious Booksellers Part 1 and Part 2. Um, and it's basically uh, my bookseller friends and I talk about uh, how to support self-published authors, what we need from self-published authors to sell their Ooh. books, um, the industry as a definitely, whole. I would definitely listen to that. That's very much... Uh... That would be very relevant to my interests. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredibly silly uh, because I bully my my coworkers a lot, but you know um, they take it out on me on the podcast when I have to be professional. Um, but it's 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 really good. So I I, I hope you listen. Um, but thank you again for being on. It's been wonderful. If you would ever like to come back, you are absolutely welcome. Um, it would be it would be my pleasure. Thank you. I would love to come back uh, when I have something new to talk about. Um, maybe a new book. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I will, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was great fun. And yeah, thank you. And I hope you got what you need from me. Oh, I absolutely did. I got a full episode. That's all that's required. <laughs> Perfect. Lovely. Alrighty. Well, I will uh, see all the listeners next week. Uh, goodbye. Bye-bye.